Hey everybody, thanks for listening to this episode of My First Sketch. I'm Josh Hyam. If you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, or the Stitcher app, and you can get it automatically there. It'd be really cool if you rate it five stars and leave a review on whatever platform you choose. Like the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash myfirstsketch. Follow along on Twitter at myfirstsketch. Head to myfirstsketch.com where I'll post new episodes and a bunch of new information. Any questions, thoughts, recommendations, feel free to email me at josh at myfirstsketch.com and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Today's guest is Jen Bloodsworth, currently a member of National Scandal based out of New York City. National Scandal will be performing their final show of their monthly run at the People's Improv Theater in New York on Thursday, November 14th at 7.30 p.m. on the Underground Stage. You can find out more information about that show at thepit-nyc.com. Jen's first sketch is called First Date. Jen reads the female role. I read the male role. Can't give you character names because that would give away the joke. So let's go to the sketch. A man and woman sitting at a table in a restaurant. This is great. I've always wanted to try this restaurant. Yeah, it seems. Look, Joanne, there's something I have to tell you. Oh, no. You're married, aren't you? No. You're dying of some disease? No, nothing like that. I'm 27. Oh, is that all? I mean, I don't care that you're a little younger than me. No, I'm not 27 years old. I'm the number 27. I don't understand what you're saying. The integer between 26 and 28? Is this some sort of existential thing? Look, I know this is difficult, but I'm a numeric value of 20 plus 7. 3 less than 30. However you want to think about it, I am 27. This is ridiculous. You're a man with arms and legs. I've had extensive plastic surgery. Okay, so like when you said that you worked with numbers, you didn't mean that you're an accountant? No, I was being literal. Wow, I just, I never knew that numbers were, I mean, I mean, there must be millions of other 27s out there, right? No, it's just me. But if you look like a man now, I mean, what about all those 27s out there, like on takeout menus, on football jerseys, on street signs? I licensed my image. It's how I paid for all the plastic surgery. Oh, I see. So uh, so you get paid every time someone somewhere uses the number 27? It's not as much as it sounds like. I mean, don't get me wrong, I do all right. But it's not like I'm that asshole 99 or anything. So, okay, so like, how does this work? I mean, if we continue down this path, what kind of a life can we have together? A great life. I will always be there for you. Literally. I'm going to outlive you and everyone we know. Oh, right. Because you're... The The number 27. Right. What can I say? We're infinite. So what do you think? Can we continue to see each other? Oh, what the heck? We all have our quirks, right? Oh, Joanne, you made me the happiest man slash number in the world. So, um, your plastic surgery, how, uh, how extensive was it? Very extensive. So, um... It works.
Jen. Hey, Josh. All right. So tell me where this idea comes from. Where do we get a blind date with a number? Sure. So this is a sketch from my very first um, sketch writing class. Uh, and one of the assignments um, was to write a date sketch. And sort of the, the formula was two people on a date. One of them has something you know weird that they reveal. Um, they kind of go through it and then, you know, the other person has to, you know, decide at some point whether they can get on board or not. Uh, and then a button is just kind of the very loose basic structure. And okay. the, the way I got the idea for the weird thing that's revealed is that the person is a number actually kind of got inspired by way back in college. I had gone to Emerson College and we had a comedy newspaper and I just remember um, one of the issues that came out had come out like right after the AFI had come out with their top 100 list of movies and um, it being, uh, uh, I went to Emerson, so it being sort of like a communications and film type of school, it being like a really big deal to people. So as a spoof in the comedy newspaper, they had, uh, they had come out with their top like numbers of all time. So they wrote an article on that and people being... Um, uh, sort of shocked by some of, you know, or surprised by some of the, how some of the numbers were ranked. And I just thought that that was so funny. <laughs> um, so I kind of um, was uh, stole slash inspired by that idea. Did you know that Emerson now has a major in comedy? I did. And actually I think that um, one of my, uh, the teacher for like my, uh, I can't remember exactly if it was like a, spec writing class or a um tv script writing class but uh uh her name was marty i'm blanking on her last name right now but yeah i think that she headed that up and i was so excited to see that that's like an like an actual thing now like yeah. i would have loved to have majored in that back oh then. absolutely i i did a, a show with a couple students from emerson in boston last year and they were all comedy majors and i was just so immensely jealous of it like totally like, totally ugh. 15 years ago, that would have been amazing. Yeah, yeah. I actually, um, yeah, so when I went to Emerson, I really wanted my major to be writing for TV and film, and they didn't have that exactly as a major, but what they do have is they have a, or had, I'm, I'm sure they probably still have it, is a um, interdisciplinary study major where you can kind of create your own. So I took a bunch of their writing classes, and I took a bunch of their uh, TV and what was at the time called new media classes, uh, and and yeah, kind of created my major that way. Nice. Uh, so, what class was this for? Uh, like, what theater program? What? Where were you taking sure. the class? Yeah, this was. Um, I took a sketch level one at the People's Improv Theater in New York, or the Pit, and I took it with Alex uh, Zalbin. I was so at that. I guess to, to, to dive in, how I wound up there. Um, I, I had been working in television, not not comedy related, uh, but I really wanted to kind of you know. I guess going back to Emerson, like uh, you know, I really wanted to do comedy TV writing. I thought, and so left my television job and. Because a friend introduced me, you know, I was talking to a friend, I was like, you know, you know, I'm working in TV, but I'd really like to be doing sort of like comedy TV. And she said, well, have you, you know, have you 
thought about taking classes at, and she named um, some of the schools in New York. So UCB, the Pitt, Magnet, and I had never heard of them before. So I just like went online and I saw all their classes. I got so excited. So when I left TV, I wanted to throw myself into comedy writing. And so I took um, sketch stand up, sketch and stand up at, at the pit or the people's improv theater. And I took improv at UCB, like all at once. I just wanted to experience all of it and learn all three um, forms. If you mm. know. So you fully dove in. What did you enjoy? Like, which one did you enjoy the most? Um, you know, I liked all three for different reasons. I thought that sketch writing uh, since I had been writing for TV, I thought that sketch writing would be the easiest. Mm. Um, and I actually found it to be the hardest. Um, and so now it's like seven, eight years later, um, sketch is the one that I would say I do the most. I, I did stand up for a while, um, <clears throat> but stand up is just, uh, you know, with my work and travel schedule and everything else, I kind of had to you know, I, I was doing stand up. I was on like two or three improv teams. I was doing sketch. And uh, when I started working full time again, I kind of had to pare down and and uh, stand up and improv were kind of the things that had to fall away and, and mm. sketch the one that I stayed with. Uh, so uh, going all the way back to the beginning, like, do you have an earliest memory of comedy? Oh, man, earliest memory of comedy would I mean, probably like the Muppet show. Mm hmm. Um, which like, and I don't even know if I knew that that was like, you know, comedy per se, but it's funny watching the Muppet show now as an adult, uh, just like you sort of have like these classic one-liners and stuff in it. Um, yeah, that's probably my earliest memory of, of comedy. And then I remember like in elementary school, uh, you know, if my parents were going out, uh, like we were sort of at the age where it was like, all right, we're too old to get a babysitter. So instead we would go to the, uh, the video rental store and you could, you know, pick out like, you know, two or three things or whatever to watch while they were out to, to keep us entertained. And, uh, yeah, I remember like Cheech and Chong and Gallagher being like <laughs> big, <laughs> big favorites. How old are you with Cheech and Chong? That feels... Oh my gosh, like, I think like fourth grade. Um, yeah, so the drug the drug references were totally lost on me. Uh, but just, uh, you know, they were just, I don't know, very... To me, they were just like very silly guys, I guess. Yeah, and I don't think I've ever seen a full like Gallagher special. Like, I oh, know him yeah. as like the sledgehammer guy and the watermelon oh, yeah. guy. And then after that interview that he did with Mark Maron a couple years ago, like... There's a oh, part... No. That was, he, I, was he horrible? <laughs> he, he walked out on Mark Maron because Maron was like calling him on like, apparently his act has gotten like super racist and super like street joke and like, an, you know, anti, like uh, homophobic even like, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, and the, the, the thing that he just keeps bringing up uh, Gallagher, he's like, can you play a, a state fair? And, and Mark Maron's like, no, I don't want to do a state fair. Why would I want to do a state fair? Like. And Gallagher's, wow. I can do state fairs. And all right, well, uh, <laughs> um, there's a niche market for everyone. Else. <laughs> it's just like the funniest thing to me. Like, yeah, what comedian wants to do a state fair? Uh, but anyway, like, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So like Gallagher is such a, a weird thing to me because I know he was so super successful, like 80s, early 90s, and stuff, and then he just 
fell off the map. Vanished into like the middle America kind of thing. Well, also I heard, you know, and I I apologize to the listeners, I guess, that I haven't kept up on my Gallagher uh, history, but um, I did hear that he had a brother who basically like took over his act for a while. And then like a whole falling out between the two of them or something. I don't know. Yeah, like Gallagher 2 or something. Yeah, as as a child, um, wordplay, which he was very big on, and smashing fruit with a giant hammer, uh, you know, was terrific. Yeah. Ab- oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. I t- I totally understand how that like hooks in <laughs> to yeah, a younger yeah, audience. Just someone in the fourth grade. Yes. Um. So and, then, and then. Oh, go ahead. Was, and then, as far as uh, I guess like another really influ- influential comedy. Um, thing for me was the Tracy Ullman show. Okay. Um, when that came around, just getting to see her do like all sorts of different characters. And um, I think, yeah, because that was on during primetime, I kind of discovered that maybe a l- like a little before Saturday Night Live. So, yeah, that was sort of my first, I think, sketch comedy show. Yeah, I think, and even before, you know, shortly after that, I discovered Saturday Night Live and Monty Python, and then eventually Kids in the Hall. Um, yeah. Uh, I ask everybody, always curious, who would be your favorite SNL cast member? Ooh, then or now? All time. I would say, I would say at this point in my life, all time, I would say um, Phil Hartman probably. Mm-hmm. But if you asked me back, like, it, at the peak of my SNL fandom, I probably would have said Mike Myers. Yeah, they're and they're very different. Oh yeah, people <laughs> yeah. for sure. Like, yeah. and, I, and I feel like as you get like deeper into the like, comedy nerdom, and like really like pay attention to things, like you you appreciate Phil Hartman so much. Oh man! But Mike Myers is clearly like the star of that era. Right. Yeah. My favorite. Um. My I think my favorite sketch of all time is um uh oh god what what is the name of it it's a diner and it was it was alec baldwin was the guest host and um jan hooks uh i think i know which one you're talking about yeah yeah jan hooks is the waitress oh i think it was like sexual tension diner or something like that uh and it's it's basically like this melodrama of of the waitresses at the truck stop yeah Alec Baldwin's this like hotshot trucker that comes in and, and Phil Hartman, who usually um, I'd say doesn't necessarily would always play sort of the widest range of characters. He kind of had his straight man shtick down, but mm-hmm. in this, he plays this kind of like very, uh, uh, I don't know, nervous or like taken with the waitresses, like uh, regular. And I don't know. It's just, it's, I love it. It's my favorite ever. Yeah. I think that sketch was like, the one that really got passed around after Jan Hooks passed away, like, like that was held up as her like shining moment. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a, it's a really good sketch. Like, it's not the funniest, but it's so good. Like, so well performed, so well acted. Like, yeah, so well written as a story too. <laughs> yeah, I just love it. Um. So, all right. So you work in TV for a while. Yes. And I think we're like you're saying work in TV, but like you worked for <laughs> WWE. Yeah, I, so I was a writer for WWE World Wrestling Entertainment for uh, a number of years. What, like, how do you get there? Um, so interestingly enough, I guess going back to Emerson, um, 
I had known, so David Lagana, who wrote for WWE for a long time, had gone to Emerson as well. We weren't in the same class, but we had mutual friends and kind of, um, we would like trade. So when he was out in LA and I was still in Boston, we would like trade scripts and give each other feedback and stuff like that. Um, and when I got out of Emerson, it was kind of like at the height of the dot-com bubble. And so if you had heard of the internet and knew how to use it, you could get a job in that field very easily. So when I left Emerson, I initially worked in a lot of sort of digital media roles. Um, but after a few years, I really wanted to work in TV and I knew, you know, uh, I guess I kind of felt like if I ever was going to do it now would be the time because no one's going to be like, oh, hey, you've been doing um, corporate industrial digital work for 20 years. We love that. <laughs> TV or something like that. Right. So um, David was at WWE and, um, you know, I reached out to him. He kind of helped me get my resume in front of, you know, actually looked at because, I mean, they just have like hundreds of people apply to work there every day. Right. Yeah. So I started since I I started actually working for their website at WWE.com since that was sort of what my um, experience had been in. Um, and after about nine months, I was able to move over to the creative team there and start working on the actual TV shows. And I did that for the next four, four and a half years. That's so crazy because like you hear about like. And I'm in like I'm a wrestling fan for the most part, like so I know some of the stories of like the schedule that that entails, and then you also hear stories of the comedians that they, that they would hire because they wanted you know more of a Hollywood approach and everything, and stories like Patricia O'Neill just leaving to do stand up sets and people getting mad at him that he wasn't working 24 hours a day around the clock for WWE like, and he only lasted there like a few months. Yeah, I don't know when, but like he did, it might have just been like a consultant thing. Yeah. But when he was expected to be at meetings, he was like at the cellar instead doing stand up. And uh, guys, I'm working. Like, it was craziness. Yeah. And I don't know. Like, so I how do you manage that schedule of like. Uh, yeah, of uh, the, it's, it's, it is a. Uh... So working there, I mean, beyond just the creative team, I mean, certainly the talent has an even an even rougher, more grueling schedule, but it being a live show that's on 52 weeks a year with no off season, um, it's, it, it is a very demanding job, right? And since it is a sort of serial serialized show that's happening in kind of like real time, um, there's, there's, there's challenges that come up with that because you can have the best laid plans, but someone gets injured or, you know, storyline isn't working out or something. Um, you know, it's, it is the ultimate sort of exercise, I think, in, uh, in editing, like, you know, in, in multiple drafts of things and like, you're always iterating, right? Mm -hmm. That's like, Every every week, you know, you have your long term vision, but every week, every day, every segment, you're going over it over and over again to say, is is this the best thing for where we want to go? Is this the best thing, you know, within the context of the show? Is this the best thing in the context of the build to whatever you're going to next? 
Um, so sorry, your question, I guess, was how do you balance it? Um, you kind of, <laughs> you don't really balance it. You kind of just have to go all in on it. Yeah. And that becomes your life. Um, so yeah. So, and that was kind of why I, it was a great experience. I loved it. I got to do more television than most people get to do in their career since it is, you know, multiple hours every week and no reruns and all that. And after a couple of years, I kind of got to the point where I wanted to do, you know, I, I wanted to do other things. I wanted creatively and, and personally. And so that was when I kind of looked into, you know, taking a step back and taking a break and going and um, kind of refilling the creative sponge, if you will, by mm. taking classes and, you know, but it was such a great experience and I got so many great opportunities out of it. You know, coming out of that, I got to go on a stand-up tour with McFoley for a while. I got to perform in, you know, doing stand-up in clubs that I would have never had access to. So, you know, I met a ton of great people and yeah. All right. Two more WWE questions before we go back to comedy. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you have like a favorite moment that aired on WWE TV that you pitched and do you have any weird cameos of yourself on WWE TV? <laughs> I guess I'll start with cameos first because I, I don't know. This is just it's not going to be a very, um, you know, there aren't any cameos that I can think of that were, you know, very specific. A lot of times people, whoever's, whoever's backstage, writer, crew, whoever, if sometimes you need background, you know, people to fill in the background, you get thrown into that. So there's a number of times that I worked as let's like Molina's paparazzi, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, there's a number of times, you know, people's walks, I was in the background or like, you know, if, if a, if one of the women wrestlers was being shot in like the makeup chair, I, you know, I think I was like a makeup assistant. In, in um, but yeah, nothing, nothing notable that I can think of. Um, and it's funny, like when you first start working there, you're like, you, you're, you're so excited to be in one of those shots. And then after a while, it's like, when it's just, it, it can be really hard when you're the writer assigned for like getting people for the background because it's like, oh, man, I got other stuff to do. You know, you know, it's going to be like a half hour out of your day that like you're just like, you know, can't get other stuff done and you're waiting. And um, but yeah, it was it was it was fun. Um, and then your other question. Oh, a moment that I pitched. Um, you know, I get this question a lot. It's hard to. For me, I mean, I, I think maybe other people perceive things differently than I do. The whole process there is so collaborative. It's hard for me to really pinpoint like, oh, this one thing was was mine. Like, that's my idea or I wrote this. Like, because it is so iterative, right? So something might start as an idea as in a pitch session either and yeah, so something might start as an idea as a, in a pitch session, and then that I someone else. Do you know the story? Of, like, what is it? The parable of like the stone soup, right? Yeah. Like, the guy comes down, and no one in the town's talking to each other, and he's like, and they're all hungry. There's been like famine or whatever, and he he throws a stone in a pot of boiling water, and then people come out and they say like, oh well, you know, I don't have anything, but I have these carrots, and they throw in the carrots, and then someone brings over onions, and someone over brings over meat, and like in the end, it's like a whole it's a whole soup, right? Um, so who made the soup? I don't know. Everyone did like, sure. Yeah. So it's really, 
you know, there's, there's lots of things that I was involved in that I'm proud of or that were great. I guess one of the only things that I can really think of that I can pinpoint and say like anything specific about, um, so the Miz and I had started around the same time. Um, so, you know, it's kind of like people aren't really assigned specific talent to work with per se, but a lot of times, you know, junior writer might work with the more junior talent and more senior writer might work with more senior talent and you kind of work your way up. So since Ms. and I had kind of started around the same time, our sort of careers were kind of like on the same trajectory. Right. So I'd worked with him a lot. Um, and I had worked on ECW. So Ms. and I had worked a lot, like when he was on ECW together, I'd worked with him and Morrison a lot when they were doing their talk show, the dirt sheet. And, uh, they were, and I loved working with them. They were both great because they would come in every week and be like, all right, we have this idea and we want to do that. And that was always, uh, that was always the best when people were engaged and had ideas and like, you know, we're excited and want to do stuff as opposed to, you know, I, I didn't like being in the position of, of it being like, here, here are my words. And you say the word <laughs> there. Uh, yeah, that's, that's not me and that's not fun. So I loved working with them. So um so yeah so around the time that Miz came over to Raw I guess this was like the build to um Cena Miz at WrestleMania so Miz had come over to Raw and he was calling out um you know it was like a couple of weeks of like Miz I think like calling out Cena or cutting promos on Cena and it was the first time I think that he was going to do it in what's called like at the time, the crossover segment. So it's the segment, it was seg six around the nine o'clock, uh, I guess around the 10 o'clock hour. Right. Right. And that's what, like, that's a sort of like your first, like your first segment, your last segment, your segments at like the hour crossover are, are big and important. Right. So it was like his first time doing that. And I was like, so excited for him and he was excited. It's like, yeah, like, you know, um, and you want to make it good because he was. Just, it was just going to be him. It was all on him. He had to go out there. Um, you know, the audience wasn't wasn't necessarily like on board with him yet. And this was him. Um, you know, I, you know, he had to do it right. He, like he had to go out there and get that raw audience on his side talking about Cena. Um, so I was working with him, and you know, we were going back and forth and coming up with lines and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, we're just riffing. So I throw one out there. And as soon as I said it, I was like, it, it was, uh, <laughs> it was stiff. Right. And, uh, and his face light up. He's like, he's like, Oh my God. He's like, he's like, I had to say that. And I realized what I had said. And I was like, Oh no, 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 <laughs> like, no, 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 no. You, can, you can't say that. You can't say that. He's like, no, 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 it's, it's great. It's awesome. And like, he's like, I want to say it. He's like, he's like, I'll run it by Vince. I'll run it by Cena. Like, I want to say it. Um, and so, uh, he, he uh yeah uh yeah so that uh so then he went out and he said it and it got a big reaction and and um uh and it was cool and he came he came through and, and like and i'm not uh you know i i don't know it's like i said before it's it's a collaboration it's a process i was more excited for him than anything that he went out and that was really the night that i felt like he got the crowd um, that, that sort of like main stage raw Monday night crowd behind him and like feeling like, Oh, like this guy, like he really is going to face Cena. This isn't just some like gimmick. Right. Um, so yeah, he came through the curtain and he's like, Oh man, did you hear him pop on that line? Blah, blah, blah. So that, you know, that was like 
a really exciting, you know, moment for me as an individual, I guess, working there. What was the line? So the the line was um, this was back before, you know, at this at this point, this would have been this if I'm remembering my years correctly, this was probably early 2011. Um, and it was so seen as like, you know, seen as the guy, he is the face, he's the, he's the brand. And, um, um, and people weren't really, you know, people were very sort of respectful of that. And there was just kind of, you know, people just didn't really go after him um, maybe in the way that they did after this, but yeah. So, uh, so I had said, he's like, Oh, Cena. Uh, you know what, Tina, you say, you can't see me. Well, you know what, Tina, you're right. I can't see you because your movies don't stay in theaters long enough. <laughs> because at that time, uh, he did not have the movie career that he does today. Obviously, huge success and not an issue. But yeah, Cena's yeah, Cena's WWE movies versus his current movies are, you know, worlds apart yeah. for sure. Big, big difference, big difference. Um, so yeah. So I mean, and the the the, the cool thing, I guess, is that. Um, well, you know, I won't tell other people's stories for them, but when I left, um, you know, he said the line and, and everyone supported him doing it. And that, that was what was cool. Right. And then when I was leaving, um, Miss shot me a note and was like, Hey, thanks for giving me like my first big, big pop on raw. And which was just very, I, I appreciated that so much. I, he was, Miz was definitely my favorite person to work with. Um, he's so hardworking, always coming up with ideas, you know, very, and very sort of generous with his, uh, with his process. He was also, I mean, he was a guy who, you know, didn't, you know, didn't necessarily come from like a wrestling family or a wrestling background, right? Came in from reality TV, but he would be the guy, at least when I was there, like every day in catering, watching his match from the night before and just, you know, just trying every single day to get better, work harder and, and, you know, do something. Yeah. It's been interesting to see his evolution as, you know, that pariah that fans even didn't really like very much. And like, he always had like, you know, that bad guy heat, but not necessarily always that good kind of bad guy heat. Yeah. Oh to yeah. But now where he is a respected, like, like veteran and he, member of everything. He is, if I mean, and this is, this is, I don't know. This is, this is my opinion and, and not, you know, trying to I don't know, give away the business or whatever, but Miz is such a great heel because he just like, he just goes for it. He leans into it. There's, there's a natural thing. I think that people, it's tough for people, even, even though it's like, it's, it's, it's easier to go out as an unknown and get cheap heat and get people to boo you than it is to, for them to like you and get on board. But it's really, I think it's really hard to be um, like in a, like a top heel because I think that there's just sort of a natural thing in people that you, you want other people to like you. You want to be like that cool heel, like, like, Ooh, like I'm a bad boy, but, but you like me. Like I'm, I'm so cool. Right. There's, there's very few guys. I feel like Miz is one. I feel like edge was one um, who, who like, who really like understand the psychology of that and can like really go for, go for the heat, you know? 
and he was one he would he would come through <laughs> he would come through the curtain and just be laughing and be like oh my god they're booing me so much isn't it great <laughs> wow all right um so now that my wrestling scratch was itched or my wrestling itch was scratched um so talk about let's talk about how we get to national scandal uh you take classes at the pit yeah you do sketch comedy how do we get to national scandal as your uh primary team i want to say that way sure yeah so after i had taken i guess i had taken sketch one and i took a um there was like an SNL-esque sort of fantasy camp, if you will, that you could do where you did like, you mirrored their week. So like you um, found out who the hosts, you know, and they were local, I shouldn't say local, they were, um, you know, sort of like the top talent from the theater. Like um, you would find out who the host and the cast were like on Sunday and you would do a pitch session and you would write, you would write the whole show that week and you had like a desk segment session and all that. So I had done that um, and I got to meet some people through that. And shortly after that, the theater, the People's Improv Theater had auditions for house teams, meaning like teams that the theater was going to put together Mm -hmm. and, you know, host a show for every month. Um, So, yeah, at that point, you could either audition as an actor or as a writer. And the roles were very like separate. So I submit, I think maybe I submitted for both, but I got... um, I got chosen as a writer for national scan for their, they, they created two house teams. One was national scandal. The other one was big business. Um, and yeah, national scandal started as a team put together by the theater of, I think like 13 people. I think it was like seven actors, eight writers. Um, and that was in the spring of 2012. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so, um, we for i want to say two years a year and a half maybe like a year and a half we kept that structure of you were a writer or you were a performer and then a year and a half in our director um you know was ready to move on to other things and we brought in a new director who um from murder fist if you know that Mm -hmm. um sketch team yeah so their their process is very different than what we've been doing everything's very collaborative everyone Everyone, um, you know, writes and performs everyone, even if you write a sketch, then it kind of comes in and gets worked over again by the group so that it's, it really has more of a feel and a voice of the whole, um, team, if you will. And then also everyone's kind of like more and more invested in every sketch. It's less of that. Oh, this is my sketch. So I'm going to care about this one and I'm not going to care about your sketch type of thing. Everything is everyone's, which from my from my background and, and I guess my personality, like I really enjoyed that a lot more. Um, so, and uh, so, yeah. So over the years, you know, we started as 13 um, people, you know, as their careers have done other things or their, you know, their life is out of their priorities or whatnot. People have, have left the team and we've added new members. And at this point now there's three of us that started from the very beginning. Um, and then, there are two members that joined geez, at this point, maybe four or five years ago. So we've the, the group that we are now, we, we've been together fairly long and um, at least in sketch terms. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, even and, you're saying starting in 2012, I'm like, oh, oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a it's, life. It's, 
it's crazy. I think about like the other um, teams that were around when we first started and they've either, um, well, the, the, the pit just had their um, New York uh, sketch festival um, a couple, like last weekend, two weekends ago. Mm-hmm. And we, so the first year that we were a team was the first year that they did it. So we, we've performed at each, at every single one. And I was thinking about it. I'm like, I don't think, I don't know if, if there's any other teams at the festival this year that were at the first, I mean, let alone at all of them, but at, at the very first one. And, you know, when I think about who the big teams were back then, they've either, um, you know, a lot have either moved to LA or had some members move to LA or, you know, have broken up to do other things, but yeah, it's, it's, I don't know if that's a good or a bad scene. (laughs) So what do you count for the longevity of your team? Like, I mean, seven years is a very long time for a sketch comedy team. Like just either be in the same city, still like each other, still want to work together. What do you attribute that to? I think, um, Uh, I think a certain amount of stubbornness, um, <laughs> at least for the three original members, uh, we're just like, yeah, I, I, you know, I think that we're just lucky in that there's at least been a core of us that have really enjoyed working together. We've also, you know, and I don't think that this is unique to our team, right? Especially in New York, but we all have, um, national scandal but we all also have like other creative things that we're doing whether it's podcasts or improv teams or you know other variety shows that we're doing or stand up or what have you so i think that we've all and we've all been respectful of that you know i don't think anyone has felt like oh it all of your energy has to be going into national scandal because then then everyone needs to get like all of their creative needs fulfilled in one spot, which can just be really hard when, you know, it's like, it's like a marriage or any other relationship, right? Like you got, you, you have to make at this point where five people, like each of the five people has to be happy within the group. Um, so allowing some, some flexibility with, you know, other commitments or projects or, um, you know, or if there's been periods of time where people have said, Hey, I need to take the next, three months off to do this other thing. And we've been like, you know, fine. Like your, your spot is still here when you get back. And uh, you mentioned to me, you know, as we were planning this, that national scandal is performing your last of your regular shows at the pit this week, this month uh, coming up. Um, yeah. What goes into the decision of no longer doing like a monthly show? Uh, I'd say it's, it's been a long process you know, again, because it's, it's five at this point, five people, you know, who you got to manage everyone's needs and expectations and everything for the last, I mean, really ever since we got started as a team, even way, way back in 2012, we've talked about, oh, we should be doing online videos or let's write a pilot or let's do, you know, let's do like, we have the monthly sort of your standard, you know, hour, hour and a half, eight sketch set that you're doing, but you know, we need to be doing more above and beyond that and, and, and getting a wider audience than just sort of, you know, the other people at the theater that know us. But when you're doing a monthly show and, you know, the way that our structure works is, so if there's four weeks in a month, you know, the first two weeks are usually spent writing. Third week, you pick your sketches and do your casting. Fourth week, you're getting it up on its feet and rehearsing and making any sort of, you know, 
um, group edits, and then it's the show, and then we start over again. So that is when everyone is working at least one, if not two other jobs, and has at least one, if not two other creative projects, it's hard to fit in another, oh, well, let's, let's write something for online. Let's do pre-production for something online. Let's shoot it. Let's do the edit. Let's get it distributed um, and everything else. So I think for two years, we've, we've talked about, you know, wanting to put more of an effort on doing external things and trying to make it work and do the live show because we, you know, we do love performing with each other so much. That's, you know, it's just so fun, especially with a group of people that you like so much and that you've been working with for so long. It's just so comfortable. Um, but yeah, I, I, we, you know, for two years we've really tried and haven't made it happen. So we know that we have to do something different in order to get a different result. So, mm. yeah. So, um, we're kind of ending our regular run at the pit, which is a little scary, but, you know, I think we're, we're finally at the point where we're ready to make that leap of faith and yeah, figure out, um, what's next for us. You know, it's been, it's been a great home for the past geez, eight, seven and a half, eight years. And it's really allowed us to, you know, hone that, you know, hone that muscle of us working together. But it's yeah, it's time for us to, you know, leave this, leave this, leave the safety of sure. what's comfortable and go go do the next thing. And you had mentioned other projects and stuff. And the one thing, I, one thing that I know that you do, I don't know if mm-hmm. you do it regularly, uh, and it's going to go back to wrestling again um, because comedy and wrestling are intertwined in New York. I think it's intertwined here in Philadelphia because a bunch of the Chikara people have done comedy, and you know our big happy we have a huge happy feeling because bryce remsburg worked for jakar and now he's one of the referees for aew so like so a bunch of us are so super happy for him that he finally has a full-time job in wrestling that's yeah you know just so wonderful uh so i know you're at i don't know your full involvement of it but extremely serious wrestling yes yes so extremely serious wrestling is a um, I would say a sketch comedy slash pro wrestling mashup show that happens here in New York. It's been around for uh, just over two years now. Um, and my uh, very good friend, Sister Mary Mary, uh, is, <laughs> is in it. Um, she is a wrestling nun along with her tag team partner, Sister Mary Jane. And together they are the Bad Habits. It's a fun name. Um, uh Thank you. They, they, um, yeah, they, they're, uh, they're the bad habits because a, they're nuns and they wear habits, but they also might have some bad habits of their own that they, uh, that they contend with. Um, yeah. Uh, and I guess the way that I slash she got involved in that is someone that, um, I had met in the UCB days doing, uh, improv there. Uh, very creative, awesome guy, uh, Mitch Fesh. He um, he had kind of floated an idea out maybe like three years ago to you know his his friends or whatever that he wanted to do a comedy wrestling show and you know if anyone wanted to help to let him know and so and I like I honestly since I had done so much wrestling in my career it was not really anything that I was looking to get involved in. 
um, you know, per se, like there was, there's been other comedy wrestling things in New York and, and like, I've been very happy that they exist, but I'm also kind of like, I'm, uh, I was good. You know? <laughs> um, if you will. So, um, but you know, he's, he's a very dear friend of mine. So I reached out to him like, Hey, yeah, if you, you know, if you need help, like I'm on board, let's meet, let's have dinner. And, um, you know, I went to the dinner, like expecting to lay out to him, like, Hey, here's how we do the long-term storylines or, Hey, here's how we figured out, you know, a, um, structure to a show or a build or a what have you, like, you know, just kind of, you know, and, and where do you want me to plug in as, you know, as a writer is what I was expecting, but we went to dinner and he laid out for me, like, um, you know, his, like, his, like he just laid it all out for me. Like he had it all figured out. And I was just like, Oh, okay. Well, cool. You don't, <laughs> you don't really need me. That's, that's cool. I'm like, well, you know, uh, and we're, and like, we're getting ready to leave. And, uh, and I'm like, just kind of doing like the, if the friend is like, Hey, cool. Well, you know, this sounds great. And I'll be, you know, if you need me to help, if you need help with anything else, let me know. And it was like, you know, I was getting ready to like, you know, slide out of the diner booth and go. And he's like, well, uh, I need more, uh, I need more characters actually. And I was like, or I need more talent, actually. And I was like, oh, well, yeah, you know, if you, like, if you want me to be like a ring announcer or like commentator, or manager or something like that, like, yeah, I guess I, I guess I could do that. And he's like, well, yeah, actually, I have like enough of those. Like everyone, it's, he's like, he's like, everyone like wanted to be that. And so I have more of those than I could probably need. What I really need is people to be characters. And I said, characters, do you mean like wrestlers? And he's like, well, yeah. And I was like, Fesh, you know that I didn't wrestle. <laughs> right? um, he's like, yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. Like you, it's, it's not, it's not, you know, it's not, you, you don't have to, you don't have to do any physicality that you don't want or anything like that. Like, it's very cool. It's very laid back. It's not a bit like you really, yeah, you won't even really, really be wrestling. Be fine. Be fine. Be fine. He's like, so, uh, and I was like, I, okay, I guess, sure. Like, this is all a completely new idea for me. And, uh, and, uh, he's like, great, great. So, uh, do you have an idea for a character? And I was like, no, because this wasn't even on my radar until about two seconds ago. But do you have an idea for a character? And he's like, well, actually, yes. And it's like, oh, all right, okay. And we were, um, I guess, as they say, off to the races at that point. And here we are. So I, I do like to point out to people often uh, when we're talking about matches or physicality or anything that I am the oldest member of the <laughs> roster. So let's just keep that in mind. Uh, yeah. But it is, uh, and I, I would be remiss if I did not mention that, um, A, if you're ever in New York, you know, please come check out the show. It's so fun. We've had, we've had, um, indie guys start, um, working the show and they all say the same thing. They just say that it's, it's, it's so much fun and it's everything that they love about wrestling without, um, you know, without some of the, the headaches, if you will. And if you can't make it to New York to see a show, we are on independentwrestling.tv, uh, and you can check it out there. We actually, we have, we have a, an individual, uh, Tiffany from Arkansas who started watching online and liked the show so much. She has now flown out to New York twice to come see it. And it's just really kind of amazing. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, so uh, as national scandal is um, 
ending their you know regular run of live shows how would you describe like a national scandal show like what would be like the hallmarks that you would pitch to somebody um the the we we use a lot of fake blood um really <laughs> that, oh yeah that seems to be like a reoccurring motif for us is fake blood um we actually uh we've on occasion had shows where like at the end we will comment like oh that was a really like not messy show um <laughs> Our shows usually involve like some sort of mop or cleanup afterwards. So if there's a show that doesn't involve that, we usually notice and say, oh, hey, or um, or if if no one dies in a show, character wise, of course, uh, the shows are very safe. But uh, if, if no characters get murdered or die in some way in the show, that's also a notable thing. Um, yeah. So I guess, you know, I guess on a subconscious level, uh, we all have death on the brain. And so that seems to be something that works its way in a lot. Um, I, you know, it's funny. I don't know. This is, this is something that we've been, and this is maybe what we're going to spend some more time on in the next couple of months is, you know, everyone's like, Oh, what's, what's your brand? Uh, I don't, you know, our brand, if you came and saw us, you would know what it is. I don't know that we've been able to distill it into 15 words. Um, we are not necessarily, we are not necessarily topical humor, right? Like, which I think some people have thought because of our name, national scandal that you come in and it all be like ripped from the head. Right. Comedy. It's usually not. Um, it's um, I don't know. I think we're all. I think we're all sort of. Well, this this is a general statement about comedy, and it's not so much the team, right? Is we are all deep down sensitive people um, who are working out our sort of fears and insecurities through laughter <laughs> instead of just letting it eat us alive. All right. So you've done comedy for a while now with National Scandal. You spent a ton of time working in television with one of the biggest companies, like a corporate giant um, like WWE is. Uh, but now that you've you know switched to focusing more on comedy, what's something that you've learned from comedy that you would pass on to someone that's new to writing? Um. Well, I guess... The biggest, the biggest thing that I would pass on to someone who is new to comedy and writing is, uh, and and I have to credit Chris Aurelio with this is it's it's three things: start doing it, keep doing it, and you know be around and support other people, and that is that will really take you so far. And I I used to teach level one sketch writing, which I really enjoyed, hmm. and. Um, yeah, I, I that I used to tell the students in the first class, like you know, that I was so happy that they that they were there, that they had taken that step of signing up for the class and, and showing up because that is such a huge step. You know, it's 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 very um, for a lot of people, it's it's really hard to 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 do that. You know, you you have there's this thing that you covet so much, right? It means so much to you. You love comedy so much, like you want to do it and, and you're terrified that you're going to try it and find out that you're terrible at it. Yeah. <laughs> pretty hard, I guess. Um, but you know, the great thing about trying new things is that you're not supposed to be good at it. And uh, you know, that's, so that's fine. It's just, that's just the act of going and trying to do it is a huge step that, that other people may not ever do. And then once you start doing it, I mean, most people, 
this is what I usually find in it and for myself and, and with others is uh you write like that first sketch or you get that first laugh and it's like oh it's like the best feeling you're like oh my gosh I'm doing it um usually like I, I find that people there will be like a sketch in their first level writing class that goes really well and they love and they're like yes like I've got it and then eventually there's going to be a sketch that doesn't like land as hard and you're like oh no I had it and I lost it and 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 you didn't like that's you know, there's going to be lots of sketches or, 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 you know, apply it to whatever you want, but they, they, that's how you learn. Yeah. Right. Is, is your, if you're, if it was basketball, it wouldn't be like, you know, you make it in the hoop once and then the next time it, it doesn't go in and you're like, Oh man, I, I had basketball and I lost it. No, you gotta, you gotta miss a bunch of shots. You gotta go out you gotta, you gotta do the reps. You, you have to do it a ton. I mean that, and that's why I say like when, like when people come and see national scandal shows right now, they always say like, wow, you guys, like, you're just like so tight. Like you got, even if it's something new that we're doing, it's like, it's like, you guys are just, you can tell that you're so comfortable with each other and um, you're just so like smooth and confident up there. And that, that only, that, that comes because we've been together for, you know, eight years. Yeah. That's, there's no, unfortunately, there's no shortcut to that. And then finally, um, you know, why comedy? Why has comedy hooked you in? Why do you spend your free time with this team and comedy wrestling as a nun? Like, why comedy? Why? Um, you know, I, I, uh, making people happy, I guess. Like, uh, you know, I don't know if it's because I'd be curious to know how many comedians are youngest children, right? Like, I am. I think, you know, yeah, you are. I am. Um, I think I would be very interested to know what the numbers are. Like, if you want to get like very sort of like psychological on it, uh, if you're if you were the youngest child, that was probably how you navigated, you know, that space growing up because you weren't maybe as as smart or strong as your older siblings, but like you know, you could be cute and you could get people to laugh and um, you you know you could dissolve conflict that way or whatever. And, and um, yeah, I mean, I mean, what's, what's better than the sound of laughter, right? Not much. I don't think. I mean, at least for us, for comedians, maybe for other people, they don't care, but I love, uh, you know what I love though? This, this cracks me up every time when people find out that I do comedy and they say comedy. I love comedy. I love to laugh. Yeah. And so then there are people out there who don't enjoy laughing yeah it's I, and I, I joke this this all the time and I, and I say it to everybody like i don't understand why you wouldn't want to watch a comedy over like i and if you're into it you know awesome but like the whole true crime thing i don't understand it at all oh yeah me oh thank thank you like, me neither everyone's always like it was like oh my gosh do you listen to cereal do you like do this or that i'm like i'm like no, like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, why would, why would I want my, why would I want to ingest that or have my life, you know, be obsessed with, with, with that, with bad things? Yeah, I, it's, I don't trust people that don't like to laugh at all. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to say that they're psychopaths or sociopaths, but. But you're just going to let that linger out there. Yeah. <laughs> and let people come to their own conclusion. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thanks, Jen. Yeah, thank you, man.
Jen and the rest of National Scandal will be performing the final show of their monthly run at the People's Improv Theater in New York on Thursday, November 14th, 7.30 p.m. on the Underground Stage. As well, Extremely Serious Wrestling will be at the Pit Loft on Friday, November 15th at 11 p.m. Tickets for both of those shows can be found at thepit-nyc.com. And for more on National Scandal, head to nationalscandalcomedy.com. Like them on Facebook at facebook.com slash nationalscandal. Follow them on Twitter at nationalscandal. And on Instagram, you got to put the underscore in between national and scandal. If you're into musical comedy, friend of the podcast, Amelita, is teaching an online seminar called Songwriting as Sketch. Myfirstsketch.com slash Amelita, A-M-E-L-I-T-A. We'll take you to the Eventbrite page with all the information on that. My First Sketch is a Philly Sketch Fest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com. Follow Philly Sketch Fest on Instagram at phillysketchfest. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. Like My First Sketch on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Go see some comedy.